Well, good morning. We ask you to stand this morning, and we're going to uh, worship the Lord together and uh, sing some old hymns of the church. We have a lot of folks that are out today uh, battling sicknesses and other things, but God is in our midst, and we're going to worship Him today and uh, celebrate that uh, God's been good to us this week. So let's sing this old hymn of the church.
praise the Lord. If you're getting ready to leave this world, you got to be prepared. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, Paul says, But other times and seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say, Peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as to prevail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that the day should overtake you as a thief. You are all children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for an helmet, the hope of salvation. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we shall live together with him. Wherefore, wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as also ye do. Praise the Lord. Uh, I'd like to go to the Lord in prayer, ask him to touch us, to touch the service, and to touch every part of it. Let's pray. Father, again, we're thankful to be in your house, Lord. Thankful, Lord, for your love, mercy, and grace. Father, we're thankful, Lord, that we can be prepared, Lord, knowing you as our Lord and Savior, knowing you, Lord, as our Redeemer and our Sanctifier. Lord, we praise you right now and thank you, Lord, for all that you are and all that you are. Father, I pray, Lord, that you help us, Lord, as the body of Christ, to be steadfast and unmovable, Lord, in these times, Lord, that we live in, Lord, that we might make heaven our home. In Jesus Christ, our love. Thank you, Lord, for all that you do. In Jesus' name we pray. We do thank you, Lord. Amen. Let your name stand this morning. Let's continue to sing worship to the Lord today.
sing it one more time. Sweep over my spirit. Lord, sweep over my spirit forever, I pray. Lord, it fathomless bills of love. Are you thankful to the Lord today for the peace of God? It surpasses all human understanding. You may be seated briefly in the presence of the Lord. If you have your Bibles, you can go with me to the book of Isaiah, chapter number 58. Book of Isaiah, chapter number 58. As you're turning there, let me draw your attention to a couple things. First and foremost, as you can tell, we are running on a skeleton crew today. Uh, Brother Larry, our drummer is uh, still in Seattle, Washington, working. He comes home tomorrow. Uh, As of this morning, prior to coming to rehearsals this morning, we had 26 people already called out today before I even stepped foot on this campus this morning. Uh, Out of those, 12 of those were COVID positive. Now, they haven't been at church in a couple weeks, so we weren't worried about that, having to shut down. But of our family of God, we have 12 COVID positive cases in our body of Christ. Now, the first thing that would automatically, most people would think is, oh my gosh, Pastor, we had church. Well, they weren't here. They were already home for a couple weeks already and then started feeling bad, so we didn't have to do it. And they only have to quarantine for five days, apparently, now. But as I began to step foot on this campus and I shared with some of the uh, leadership here that was helping get the order of service together this morning, my mind quickly was drawn to how thankful I should be rather than how upset I should be because while there might be 12 COVID positive cases and I've got some weather related just their age brother and sister Barnes at 90 just driving from Johns Island in the the rain and the cold that just would be too hard on them and we understood that we we totally sister Lila Faye gambling same thing just just too hard to travel at this her age and the weather But I began to think, but you know, but God's still been good to me. And uh, I was talking to someone this morning. You know, when you first think 26 people are out just like that, first thought is, my Lord, who's coming? (laughs) 26 of them called out before we even opened the doors. So, I mean, who's coming? And then my mind quickly went to, but the Bible said that if only two or three not 500, just two or three. Well, we had more than two or three just in the band. So if the rest of you hadn't showed up, God still could have been here today. Then I began to think I could be, like some churches in this area, having to do online only because COVID has ramshacked their church. Luckily, we didn't have it inside the church. Then I thought about I could be somewhere north of Columbia and I have to cancel church altogether because we couldn't get to church because of weather. Then I thought about, I could not only have had to cancel church to the weather or not only had to cancel church due to COVID, I could have been sick and not been able to come today. So I have a lot to give God thanks for today. Because it might be raining. It might be cold. The old song says that the Holy Spirit rains down inside the place. It says, let your power fall, your voice be heard. Come and change our hearts as we stand on your word. An old praise chorus of the church years ago, upbeat, used to say, I feel the rain, I feel the rain. 
falling down on me. He wasn't talking about outside. It said it's the Holy Ghost rain. The former and the latter rain together. I'm not talking about weather. It's the Holy Ghost rain that's falling down on me. Now, I know that we're online in two different platforms on Facebook and on YouTube right now, and there might be people watching right now. And if those that are watching, God bless you. Welcome to church. But I'm just going to be frank with you. Ain't nothing like being in the house of the Lord. I don't care how much you sit at home. I'm just going to say it. Listen, y'all have heard me say it for weeks. I'm not here to make friends. I'm not very a friend. I mean, I try to be friendly to people, but I'm not trying to make more friends. I'm trying to purge my friends list, much less make more of them. I had people that tried to add me on friends list friends on facebook last night and i was like i've never met you delete 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 like you don't know me don't ask me to be friends with you i never met you don't ask to be friends with me but i'll be honest with you i still believe and what the pro what the writer of hebrews said do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together as in the manner of now listen i understand weather i understand sickness but i'm telling you this some people they just don't they're just lazy they just don't want to come to church because they don't want to get out the bed they don't want to get out the, they don't want to get out from the Bed Springs Church of God where the comforter always comes. They don't want to leave that church. They like that church. They don't like you know I've heard people say, "Well, pastor, you know, it's just so hard to do this, do that and the other." Well, you know, I'm sure it was hard carrying the cross to Calvary, but somebody had to do it. So, you know, if you can get little Johnny and little Susie up at 6 o'clock in the morning to get to school or get to the bus or drive them there and get to your job by 8 o'clock, don't tell me you can't get to church by 11. You way got more time to get here than you got to get to work in school the next day. That ain't even the message, but I just felt like I should say it. For those that are in-house, don't forget to take your kids home with you. We'd prefer not to leave them here. Please sign them out at Children's Church when church is over. Those online... Don't forget, you can always download the Our Church app and search Santee Circle COG to find out what's going on. Or you can always go to SanteeCircleCOG.org to find out more information. If you like or do not like any of our services, it doesn't matter. Subscribe to our Google and Apple podcast at Santee Circle COG. You can hear all our services. They're archived, and you can hear them all the singing. We're un unlike some churches that just do the message. We do the whole service. So even if the singing's not the best, you still get to worship the Lord. You have no excuses. Don't forget, as always, giving is, uh, is in-house. Uh, we were going to start today taking it up in-house, but, um, well, we've been depleted of all our ushers because of COVID and other issues, so that made it a little challenging. You can give in person in the wooden boxes by mail on the tithe.ly app or online, santicirclecog.org backslash give. If you're wondering, these little wooden boxes, these are not little urns up here full of stuff. These are gifts. This is where you put your offerings in, and there's some out the back door as well. Those that have been a part of our family, you know we're in the middle. We're about one week down, getting ready to start week two of our 21 days of fasting and prayer. And boy, oh boy, has it been an adventure. But I will say to you, last Sunday, what a time in the Lord we had with God. Uh, and last Monday night in prayer service, wow, what an incredible, we had I think 20-something people come to prayer service, and the Spirit of the Lord was in the house, and we just worshiped the Lord together and prayed together and sought the face of the Lord. It was just a beautiful time. I, I was just so um, excited at what the Lord uh, was doing. And that being said, we still are doing our Monday night prayer services. So tomorrow, the 17th at 7 p.m., right here at the church, if you can't make it, you can always watch it on Facebook Live or YouTube like you do our services. But again, it's better to be here than to be on TV, I can tell you. I've had countless people tell me, Pastor, I've watched services when I wasn't able to be at church, but it wasn't the same when I came back to church. So you don't want to miss it. God's been doing some great stuff. We've had a lot of challenges. We've had a lot of needs that have come up. We've, Like I said, we got 12 COVID cases. We've got uh, 
people battling sicknesses and potential surgeries and have to have MRIs coming up. We got a lot of stuff going on, but God's still in control and he's still on the throne. That being said, we are still in our sermon series in January called Spiritual Detox, talking about the art and the heart of fasting. What does it mean to truly fast unto the Lord? What is it? Why do we call the church to prayer and fasting? And we've been talking about that today. To all our online visitors and those joining online, God bless you. Welcome to church. Can we give our online campus a, a welcome, hand of welcome today in service? All right, if you'll stand for the reading of God's Word, Isaiah chapter 58. We're going to begin verse number 1. Verse number 1. We're going to read a little bit out of God's Word. God's Word speaks a whole lot more better than, or speaks a lot better than anything I could say. So we're going to let him talk today a little bit. Cry aloud, spare not. Lift up thy voice like a trumpet and show my people their transgression. The house of Jacob, their sins. This is God talking to the prophet Isaiah. He's, he's telling him, he said, I'm, I'm charging you, I'm commissioning you for this task. You tell them where they went wrong. They seek me daily. They delight to know my ways. As a nation that did righteousness and forsook not the ordinance of their God. They ask of me the ordinance of justice. They take delight in approaching to God. They ask, wherefore have we fasted, say they. And thou seest not. He's saying, this is what the church is asking. God, didn't you notice we've been fasting? You ain't done nothing about that yet. Wherefore have we afflicted our soul? We have, we've, God, we've been suffering. We pushed aside the plate. We pushed aside the God. Lord, we, we've been suffering for your sake. And you haven't taken knowledge of that yet? Behold, in the day of your fast, ye find pleasure and exalt all your laborers. Behold. This is God still talking. You fast for strife and debate to smite the fist of the wicked. You shall not fast as you do this day to make your voice heard on high. Is it such a fast that I've chosen? God said, is that the kind of fast you wanted me to do? You're fasting for me to do evil for evil and to just get me to do something for you? A day for man to afflict his soul? Is it to bow down his head as a bulrush and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him and make a spectacle? Will that call this a fast and an acceptable day to the Lord? The Lord said, you want me to bless that? You're fasting for selfish motives. You're not fasting for the real intentional purposes. You're fasting for your own self. Is this not the fast that I have chosen, saith the Lord, to loosen the bands of the wickedness, to undo heavy burdens, to set the oppressed free, and to break every yoke? Is it not to deal thy bread to the hungry? And that thou bring the poor that are cast out to the house? Talking about church, y'all. He's saying, is the fast I've not chosen to be not only to feed you spiritually, but for you to find the poor and the disenfranchised and you get them to church? When thou seest the naked, will you cover him? And thou hide not thy face from thine own flesh? Then shall thy light break forth as the morning, and the health shall spring forth speedily. Your righteousness goes before thee. The glory of the Lord shall be your reward. Then shall you call, and the Lord will answer. Can I tell you that if you call on the name of the Lord, He will answer you. He will answer. Thou shalt cry, and He shall say, 
Here am I. Can I tell you, every time tears stain your pillowcase, and you don't even know what to say, there is a God that's in heaven looking down saying, Here am I. There's a God that knows exactly where you are and what you're going through, and he will not leave you, forsake you, or abandon you. He is right there with you every step of the way. If thou take away from the midst of thee the yoke and put forth the finger and, excuse me, and speak vaintly. If thou draw out thy soul to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted of soul, then shall thy light rise in obscurity and the darkness be as the noonday. And the Lord shall guide you continually. I don't know what's going to happen in 2022, but if there's ever a encouragement I could give you today, it's verse 11. The Lord will guide you continually. I don't know what COVID will do. I don't know how many variations will spin off. I don't know what will happen in midterm elections. I don't even know what will happen to the church because there's a lot of churches right now rocking and reeling. I can't even tell you what's going to happen to the church. But I can tell you that if we call on the Lord, not only will he come to us, not only will he say, here am I, but the Lord will guide us continually if we let him. And he'll satisfy your soul in drought seasons. He'll make fat thy bones, and thou shalt be like a watered garden and a spring of water whose water fail not. And they shall be, they that shall be of thee, shall build up the old waste places. Thou shalt rise up the foundations of many generations. He's saying he'll, he's going to bring back lost sons and daughters, generations. He's going to find them and bring them back. And thou shalt be called the repairer of the breach and the restorer of paths to dwell in. The Bible says that trust in the Lord with all our heart, lean not and all understanding and all our ways acknowledge him and he will make the path known or straight. He will, will be the restorer of pathways. If you turn away, <laughs> you should have known it was coming. If you turn away thy foot from the Sabbath and from doing thy pleasure on my holy day and call the Sabbath a delight and the holy of the Lord honorable and shall honor him not doing thine own ways, nor finding thine own pleasure, nor speaking thine own words, then shalt you delight thyself in the Lord. I will cause you to rise, ride upon the high places of the earth, and feed thee with the heritage of Jacob your father. And from the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. Look real quick back at verse number 12, 13, I'm sorry. If you turn away your foot from the Sabbath, and do thy pleasure, and from doing thy pleasure on my holy day. What he's saying is, if you'll stop filling up your own agendas when it's time to go to the house of the Lord, and you will sanctify and consecrate God's day to be holy again, then will the Sabbath be a delight. God does not require us to lay out a church for selfish ambitions or for selfish pleasures. Now, I'm not talking about sickness. I'm not talking about vacation here and this. I'm talking about you just don't go to church because you don't feel like it. He said, when you return unto me and make the Sabbath day holy again and make it honorable unto the Lord, then will I make a delight for you in the presence of the Lord and cause you to rise up above things and feed you. For the mouth, not me, pastor didn't say it. Isaiah didn't say it. For the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. If you get offended by what I just read, you can get mad, sad, or glad at me and go find another church across town. But it ain't my fault because God said it. I didn't. That's God's word. I didn't. 
And whatever church you go to, if, if they don't read that scripture and they don't say that it's the mouth of the Lord, then so be it. But that's God's word, not mine. I didn't write it. That's the word of the Lord. Let us pray together. Heavenly Father, to the very best of my ability, help me to preach your word. I'm just a vessel of clay molded and shaped in the hand of a potter. I'm not worthy to stand behind this sacred lectern. I'm not worthy to do what I'm called to do today. God, very much a large portion of who I am, Lord, is all based on who you are. You are the sustainer of life, the giver of hope. You are the balm of Gilead. You're the redeemer of time. You're the restorer of pathways and the repairer of breaches and broken hearts and lives. God, open eyes, hearts, and ears to hear your word. Help me take a, help me to preach your unadulterated word. Take a coal from the altar of heaven. Anoint these lips of clay. Do not let me be seen, but let your word be magnified and glorified. Not only let us be hearers of this word, but doers likewise. And for that, I will forever give you the praise and the glory and honor that is due your name. In Christ Jesus, my Lord, I pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord today. To all of you that helped with the music today and the adjustments on the fly and things like that, thank you so much today as well. We've been talking about a series or a sermon title, not a diet, but a decision. Early on in this series, we discussed the importance of fasting by talking about the essential aspect of fasting, why fasting is essential. We've talked about that in the life of a believer that many spiritual disciplines have been lost in the life of a believer. In fact, I had a conversation just about a week or so ago with another minister in the area, and we were talking about how much that many church denominations have uh, the ordinances of the church, but how many of them we don't follow practice of anymore, even though we say we believe in them. For an example, you hear, you, well, one is obviously fasting. You hardly hear about fasting anymore. But another one is foot washing. Now, I know as soon as someone says foot washing, about 58% of the church automatically turned off their spiritual hearing aids at that moment. The other 12% that weren't in that category said, I'm not coming to church the night that he's going to do that. And the other little percentage, you know, that, that remaining, you know, 35, 30, you know, 6% of folks, they're all like, well, I may come, but it depends on whose feet that I have to touch that I'll wash. That's how that pretty much goes. I wonder if when Jesus sat down with his disciples that night, if he'd have went and picked and choose and said, well, Peter, I'll wash yours, but John, I'm not touching yours. James, I'll touch yours, but Simon, I, or Simeon, I won't touch yours. You see, what I've often thought about is I wonder what it would have been or what it would have felt like for Judas to sit in that room and watch this go unfold. What would it have been like to watch Judas' feet be washed, knowing he's the betrayer in Jesus' mindset? What was going through Judas' mind when Judas knew he was the betrayer? But the man he's going to betray, his enemy, if you will, is washing his feet. See, the most powerful service you'll ever be in is when you can wash the feet of a brother you have an alt against. There's been many times I have seen in a good Pentecostal, and I don't apologize for Pentecostal, so those of you that don't know what Church of God is, we don't handle snakes. I'm terrified of them. The only good snake's a dead snake, so you never have to worry about them at this church. I will shoot them, stomp them, kill them, trample them, do anything, but if they're alive, I don't pastor here anymore. 
That's how that goes. I don't play with them. I'm terrified of a worm if I think it's a baby snake. I've seen them crawl, and I'm like, nope, I don't know where the mama is. I'm going back in the house, and it's an earthworm. I don't know. I just I get reared out by that stuff. But I often think about in this story, I often think about in that, that moment, the serenity of that moment with Judas and Jesus. I've often thought, I've seen it happen countless times in my own life and in own experiences, that you know that there are people with inside the church that are not getting along or they, they have ought against one another. And some of the most dynamic, spirit-filled, Pentecostal services that I've ever been in my life centered around the art of foot washing. Because the art of foot washing is designed to humble me and say that I am not near as high and mighty as I think I am, but I'm bowing down in the act of servitude, and I'm preferring my brothers saying, I'm going to not only symbolically wash your feet, but I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to humble myself before the Lord so that he may be exalted in due time. And I have seen men and women sit there in a room, and as they begin to wash someone's feet that they didn't even realize that they were assigned to, but they had an ought against it, tears would well up in their eyes and stream down their face, and the Spirit of the Lord and His sweet Holy Spirit would enter into a room, and the presence of the Lord would infiltrate the place, and it went from washing feet to an old-fashioned, just Spirit-filled, Spirit-led service where people began to weep and cry unto the Lord, and transformation happened in that room. So we don't like those disciplines. Fasting. I've seen that many times... You don't hear a lot about fasting. Times you do hear about fasting, people are always trying to get over it as fast as they get it started because they're just ready to get over it. Like, how fast can I get it over with? You missed the point. If it's all about getting it over with, you've missed the point. The point is not to try to hurry up and get through some spiritual checklist so God gives you a golden star when you get to heaven. That's not the point of fasting. We talked about the essentials of fasting. Then we went on and we talked about the detox or the detoxification Webster describes detox as a process or period of time which one abstains from or rids the body of toxic or unhealthy substances. I told you spiritually, the reason this series is called Spiritual Detox and we're talking about fasting is because that's what fasting is designed. Fasting is designed to be a process or period of time in which I abstain from something else and get rid of the body of all the toxic and unhealthy substances that are in my life so that the Holy Spirit of God can clean me out and come make residency inside of me so that when I'm through with my little detox program with the Lord that I will walk in the with the ways of the Lord. I'll talk the ways of the Lord. I'll uplift the name of the Lord. When I walk into the job, they don't have to ask if I've been with the Lord. They'll be like Moses coming down from the presence of the Lord. The face, my life will radiate with the glory of God. And I will know that I have been with the Lord. I won't have to ask. I won't have to tell. But people will be able to say, they have been with God this week. I've often said that the best Christians out there are the ones that don't have to tell you they are. If I have to tell you I'm a Christian, then I'm not doing a good enough job living it before you. If someone walks by and says, oh, well, you know, you know, Brother Jonathan's a, you know, he's a church guy, he's a Christian. And they go, wait, I'd have never guessed that, that I'm doing a bad job in my life. See, God has to get rid of some of the unwanted things. See, you know what fasting does? It refocuses and rechannels my vision and gives me clarity of sight as to the ways and the things of God. 
In fact, the whole purpose of fasting is for me to know what's right and what's wrong and not live in gray matter and know exactly what I'm to do. Because oftentimes when I come off of a fast, and I'm going to talk about me personally, I'm talking about someone in general. Often when one comes off a fast, they see things from a different way. They see the hurts of people. They see the needs of people. See, when I come off of a fast, I should not want to go back to the way, just like when I come off of a physical fast, the whole purpose is to get rid of all of the calories I'm not supposed to have and all of the sugars I'm not supposed to have and all the lipids and fats that I'm not supposed to have to become more healthy. Well, it's the same way spiritually. When I come off of a fast with God, I should not want to talk the way I used to talk. I should not want to walk the way I used to walk. I should not want to live the way I used to live. In fact, when a certain song comes on the radio, my spirit should quicken up and say, that's not the one I need to be listening to and change that dial to the next station. Or if something comes across my television screen and they say something that is not becoming or holy unto the Lord, it should make my spirit perceptors rise up and go that's not of God as for me in my house we will serve the Lord I rebuke it in the name of Jesus and I turn that thing from off that television or when I walk into work and they start having unholy and unwholesome conversations I remove myself from that table saying because my eyes have seen the glory of the Lord and I cannot that defile that which is holy and unholy and I separate myself from the things of this world that's the whole point of sanctification set me apart Lord so I'm not like them and I one day go be like you in heaven one day fasting will channel my vision my clarity of who I am we talked about fasting was biblical we talked about that it's not just some crazy idea we've come up with we've talked about how Jesus fasted Moses others set aside periods of time where they were alone with God we talked about last week how oftentimes you'd find throughout Scripture Jesus would get alone. He'd send the disciples away. Or he would, and sometimes he'd even rise up early in the morning before anyone else even woke. And he'd go inside and pray and fast. And they would start looking for him. And Jesus said, but I had to go talk to God first before I could talk to you. See, the whole purpose of prayer and fasting together they're like brothers they're like siblings they go hand in hand because when you're fasting it's supposed to channel you and not worry about things so when the hunger pains come or when those things come you you focus on praying through those things or you read your bible through those seasons so that the lord can speak to you because you're not you're going to be no good to the people that you're supposed to be winning for jesus christ if you haven't spent time with god yourself first if you've never spent time with God, you will get depleted. You will pour out your entire life. And, and it's just like if I had a cup of water and I poured it all the way out into another cup. Well, this cup's full, but I'm depleted. I've gotten rid of everything out of me. i got nothing left in me. But the Bible tells me that the Lord is like, a, is like a spring or a well of living water. So while I'm pouring out, it's supposed to be like a funnel effect. That the Lord pours into me, but then when I overflow, it starts leaking out of me. And the people down from under me start getting their water filled. And they start getting their cup filled. And it flows. But unless I still let the supplier and the river of living water to flow in my life, if I ever stop the flow, then one day I'm going to find myself in a dire and a drought situation. I'm going to be hungry. I'm going to be spiritually dead. I'm going to be spiritually useless. I'm going to burn out. I'm going to give up. The reality of it is it's all because I stopped letting the Lord pour in to my life for me to therefore pour into the life of others. It's all about a cause and effect. But today I want to talk for just a few moments that fasting is beneficial not only physically but spiritually to your life. It is not just essential. It is not just biblical. 
but it has beneficial capabilities for your life. Physically, we know that periods of intermittent fast, intermittent fasting has yielded, from a medical perspective, good results. Different times, and you set that aside. See, just like I read to you in this scripture, in Isaiah 59, 58, the prophet Isaiah has been given his commission by God. God gave him his commission right on from the front. Right the first verse, he tells him what he wants. He said, cry aloud, spare not, lift up your voice like a trumpet. Tell my people their transgressions and to the house of Jacob their sin. He said, Isaiah, don't be silent. Don't keep it silent. You have to be a mouthpiece for me. I need you to speak what thus saith the word of the Lord. In fact, from Isaiah 56 through Isaiah 66, those chapters oftentimes have been called the fasting chapters or the time of fasting, the book of Isaiah. But in Isaiah 58, he really focuses on if you have a header in your Bible, most headers will read this line. Fasting that pleases God. Not all fasts will please God. Some fasts are a diet, not a decision. Some fasts will not move the needle spirituality of God's hand in your life because God doesn't bless every fast. Now, I'm not talking about the types of fasts. I'm not talking about, well, if you don't do food but you do social media, God won't bless us. I'm, talking about. I'm talking about how your heart is going into fasting. You can give up anything you want to, but if your heart's not right and you don't replace the things you're giving up with the things of God, you have wasted your time and God's together. Isaiah 58, he tells Isaiah, he said, you have to be the mouthpiece. Do not be silent. You cry aloud. You tell the people of God what they've done wrong, how they've done wrong, and you get them back on track with me. You tell them, this is what thus saith the word of the Lord. He says, they, they say they're fasting. I read it to you. I'm going to paraphrase here for a moment. They say they're fasting. And then they want to ask, well, God, do you not notice we're fasting? They say that, Lord, Lord, we're suffering. We've given up. We're, we're suffering for you. Have you not taken knowledge of that? And God was saying to Isaiah, said they're doing it all wrong. Oh, I noticed they were fasting. I noticed they were suffering. But they're doing it for the wrong reason, so I'm not going to bless that. that. Is that the fast I've chosen? No. The Lord said. And Isaiah and him have this dialogue. God finally reveals to him the fast he has chosen. I read it to you. I believe it was around verse 6. Is this not the fast I've chosen? To break the bonds of wickedness? Or to loose the bonds of wickedness? To undo the heaviness of burdens? To set captives free? To let the oppressed have liberation? What do you say to this? I didn't, you don't fast. For me to just give you some fairy tale wish list of what you want. See, some people fast with this idea, well, if I fast, I mean, God will give me what I want. That's not accurate. Fasting is not designed for you to wave some little magical wand and manipulate God and get him to do what you want. That's not how that works. God said we should be fasting, not for our own selfish reasons, but we should be fasting that the wickedness in the world would get broken. That lost sons and daughters would come to the faith. That men and women bound and oppressed by sin and struggles and addictions and habits and hang-ups would be set free by the power of Jesus Christ. Not for my selfish ambition, but for the cause of Jesus Christ and the kingdom of God to be advanced is why I should be fasting and praying. You see, God promises spiritual light will be brighter. He said it. 
You'll look healthier. You'll spring forth speedily. I will let your health spring forth speedily. You'll look better when you fast. We talk about Daniel and his three friends when they forsook the king's meat and delicacies in Daniel chapter 1. The Bible said after their 10-day affair, their countenance was lightened. They looked better than other people. I sure hope after 21 days of fasting, I look better than I do right now. I'm praying that prayer to the Lord. Lord, if you let them do it in 10 days, in 21 days, I should be a model. Can you just help me look good by then? Lord, help me. And if that's what it is, Lord, I'll fast if you keep letting me look good. I appreciate that. I told somebody yesterday, somebody, I was getting a haircut yesterday, and the lady said, wow, you have so much hair. I said, yeah, I thank the Lord for that every day. And she said, oh, yeah. I said, yeah. I said, I told somebody not too long ago, I don't care if it turns white as long as it doesn't turn loose. I don't care. Just don't go. It can change any color it wants to, but just don't let go. I know we pray in the altars, let go and let God have his way, but don't let that be my hairline. Please, Lord, don't let it go. Let Let it stay. See, your countenance, he said, will be brighter. Your health will look better. You'll look better. You'll feel better. This is the word of the Lord. He said, you'll feel better. You'll look better. Fasting doesn't just bring the power of God, but what it does, it makes you aware of the power of God that was there all the time. Fasting just refocuses your vision and your clarity of thought to realize that he was there all the time. He never left me. He never forsook me. And no matter what I'm going through, like I read earlier, he will say, here am I. When I'm crying, when I'm upset, when I'm hurting, when I'm lonely, when I'm depressed, when I'm facing adversity, and I feel like I'm all alone, the Bible said in Isaiah 58, the Lord says, but here am I. I was there the whole time. Fasting makes us aware of that. Medical science has discovered that in times of controlled fasting, the body will often respond in favorable manner and will literally do what is called a purge or a bodily reset. Literally, it will mean that everything in your body that is currently like working overtime to keep you alive will reset itself, almost like if you had a bad internet connection, you had to reset the modem. It will make your body reset, and it will almost at times re-kick in the kidneys, re-kick in different things to get them kind of like a jump start or reset because it will get rid of all of the weight and the, the struggles and the, the, the bad fats and lipids and cholesterol and blood pressure. In fact, it has been proven that people that have had high blood pressure and people that have had, had certain types of diabetes, not all types, but certain types of that are going through intermittent fasting will have their blood sugar to be reduced where they'll come off of their metformin and medicines because their sugars will regulate. There have been times people that took high blood pressure medicines and things like that when they came off of high sodium diets and they began to slowly wean themselves back and set a time that their body would start to regulate because there was a health connection to fasting. Now, I'm not saying it works that way for everybody, but there has been documented medical science tells us, not biblical, medical science tells us times of intermittent fasting is healthy for the body. If medical science, who does not like to identify or to ever uh, give credit to a creator and the creator of creation, if medical science that often likes to take their own credit, we discovered this, we found this. We, if medical science says that it is good to fast at times physically for your life, and they have no horse in this race because they certainly don't want God to get any credit, and we read it in his word, then we should know that if medical science says fasting is good, then spiritually in the life of a believer, fasting at times throughout our spiritual journey will be a great asset and benefit to us in the body of Christ. Medical science says it's, it's good. 
And it, you know, as some people say, you know, if, 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 you know, I heard somebody one time say about the Bible, they were reading it, reading the scripture, and we were having a conversation. They read out the King James, and for those that read it, God bless you. I read out of it. I read out of the New King James. I, I sometimes I'll read three or four different ones to get the full context or whatever. This person was telling me, oh, Pastor, you know, uh, I only read the King James. I said, great. And I said, man, that's awesome. We were just chit-chatting. He said, yeah. He said, if it was good enough for the Apostle Paul, it's good enough for me. And I just stopped, and I thought, you know, you realize that Apostle Paul did not speak English, right? I didn't say that. I thought, you know, he spoke Greek, so really we should all be reading Greek right now and uh, instead of that. And, uh, you know, I understand, but, but you know, it was, uh, it was, it's been a while. It's not been that long, but, I mean, it was... Quite a few hundred years after the Apostle Paul, before uh, King James decided to translate that out, you know. So, so, but I, I say that if, as a little bit of a comical relief to say this, that a lot of people have this mentality. Well, if so-and-so, if it was good enough for so-and-so, it's good enough for me. Well, I just want to say it this way. If it's good enough for medical science to say that fasting is good, then that should tell me in the life of a believer it's good enough for me. Fasting should be good for me too. Because when I'm hungry... Medical science says, well, you know, just replace it. If you don't, you know, don't eat this. Just take a time. Just take a 12-hour block and don't eat during this 12-hour block. Or take a 16-hour sabbatical and only eat during these 8 hours. Well, during that 16 hours, do you know what will happen? Your stomach will make noise. Even during its purge and reset, it takes it a while to reset. It will start talking to you in a language you don't understand. The Bible says with utterances and groanings, the Holy Spirit will make intercession for us. I don't know if that means your tummy too, but there have been many times in my life there have been utterances and groanings out of my belly. I did not understand what they meant because it was, and I was like, what does that mean? Am I hungry? Am I sick? I didn't know. But if you fast, you'll learn. There'll be a certain time, especially if you do food. You'll have them utterances and groanings in the bowels of your belly. And you know, there are going to be times you just, you never have craved anything for a long time, but then that day you crave it out of nowhere. You know, I've heard people with strange things. People be like, yeah, I never have one. I don't even like sushi, but while I was on my diet, I craved sushi. I don't know how that's possible, but, um, but people have done it. And, and you know, I, I told you a couple of weeks ago, it's like, you know, the first week you go on fasting, you're going to smell burgers coming right out of, you know, right out of your air vent. You're just going to drive by, and it's going to be the best smelling cheeseburger. You don't even want a cheeseburger, but it's going to smell good in your, your vent. For me this week, uh, it was it was sweet tea. I was doing pretty good with my little meat diet that I was on and not really eating my meats and things. I was sitting there eating dinner just the other night and uh, was out eating and uh, didn't feel like cooking, so I went to Cracker Barrel. That was a mistake, number one. I should have known that was a temptation unto itself. And I sat there, ordered my food, and I saw the lady coming. She had the hugest pitcher of sweet tea to the table beside me and she was just pouring their glass and I thought to myself why did I have to sit here Lord could I not sit with all the like vegetarian people and vegans who don't eat anything and don't kill animals and could I sit with all those people that are probably drink water and think that sweet tea is somehow polluting the environment or whatever could I sit with those people tonight all around people ordering coffee I'm sitting there going <laughs> oh Jesus you know, normally I could have normally just went there to Sister Beulah probably three or four weeks ago and just sat there and been like, yeah, I think I'm going to drink water tonight, no big deal. And I drank water and it had been no big deal. But because I'd been gone for seven days and all of a sudden it was just like, it was like I wanted it. And I saw that pitcher and I was like, just bring me the pitcher and a straw. Don't even bring me a cup. Just give me the whole container right there. That's all I want. You can keep the chicken. You can keep the cube steak. Great. You keep it all. Just give me that pitcher. Give me a straw and leave me alone for about 30 minutes and I'll be fine. See, what happens is during our times of fasting, your body will start, and during this reset, it'll start 
tempting you. <laughs> and it'll start making you want to give up easy. Throw in the towel. But that's how the devil likes it. The devil likes for us to quit when it gets difficult. The devil likes us to throw in the towel when times get hard. But the Bible says that God is for me. And then who can be against me? So even when it gets hard, I have to remember what Isaiah 58 said, but even when in times get hard, there is a God sitting in heaven that will say, here am I. All you have to do is call upon me, and I will answer you. The one scripture says, if you call upon the Lord, he will answer you and show you great and mighty things. We have to remember fasting is not designed for us to get some spiritual wish list, but it's designed to get us to channel our focus back on the power of an almighty God and saying, if God be for me, who can be against me? Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. He who began a good work is faithful to complete it until the very he has sealed me with the sign of the Holy Spirit until the day of redemption. He is going to sustain me. He is going to keep me. And for God, if God loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, whosoever will leave with Him should not perish and have everlasting life. That means my son and daughter can be saved. My grandchild can be saved. My spouse can be saved. My, my health can be saved. My sicknesses I'm battling can be healed because there's a God that's able to do exceedingly and abundantly above that which I can think or comprehend. According to his word in Christ Jesus. Fasting is controlled. It's managed. It's even at times been proven to cure diseases. Miss Carol, did you make your way? I don't know why I'm, I'm letting them out early. Because they can't eat. They're fasting. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be nice anyway. Fasting makes us aware of God's signs, wonders, and power. Because what's happening is we're emptying our flesh. And asking God to move in. See, fasting is about me saying, Lord, nothing else in this world matters except you. It's not about the chicken. It's not about the sweet tea. It's not about the pound cake. It's not about the social media. It's not about the, you know, whatever you gave up for the Lord. Yes, now naturally, I will say to you that those are things that the Lord will honor that you sacrificed. But the point behind it is during those times that you normally would be engaging in such activities, you are spending it even more than you normally would with the Lord. It's not, your, it's not to replace your already daily devotions. It's to be additional time spent with the Lord. Additional time you're praying. Additional time you're seeking His face. Because what you're trying to do is empty yourself, spiritually speaking, so that God can move in and speak to your heart. See, a lot of times, people really need a touch from the Lord in their body, in their mind, in their spirit. We're living in a world right now that everybody seems to be looking for an answer of something. I've said it before, and I say it again. I told somebody just this week when I was helping out at the local radio station, Sherathon, one of the pastors there was sitting in the conference room and I was just talking to him. And he goes to a larger church. And uh, he was used to be Church of God. And anyway, now he's in a different denomination, but a larger church. We were just chit-chatting about the Lord. And he said, you know, people are looking for answers nowadays. I said, yeah, yeah, they are. He said, you know, what I think people are actually missing more than anything else is they don't need another good feel-good sermon about how good they're doing. They need somebody to tell them the truth because obviously what they've been told so far is not working. I said, yeah. He said, what's your long-term plan? So what do you mean? He said, I'm not talking about just in the local church or pastoring. I'm talking about in your ministry just 
generically speaking, just you personally, not the church, just you personally, what's your long-term goal? Plan. I said, you really want to know the truth? He said, yeah, yeah. I always like asking younger guys and stuff their plan. I said, well, it's going to be kind of something you're probably not going to be used to hearing someone say. I said, but um, I said, right now, the church that I serve at, some Sundays we have 35 due to COVID, and then sometimes we have 65 due to COVID. We, we just don't know. Some weeks there's 59, 60, 65 people in here. Next week there's 40, 39, 38, 27. And we just never know. I said, but I've come to this realization. I said, maybe COVID's what's caused it. I'm not sure. I said, but I have to come to the realization and the discovery that I personally think, for me, if to answer that question, that if the Lord one day lets 500 people be under my watch, I'll thank him for that. If he gives me 5,000 people and I have to build a sanctuary to house 5,000 people, I'll be thankful for that. If the Lord lets me stay at 60 and no more, I'll be happy with that too. I said, but here's the crux of my whole thing. I never want to get to a point where God's still not in the control of the whole situation. I said, because what I have seen in a, large, a lot of larger churches, that the more I grow, the less control God has of the building. Because the bigger I get, the more I try to silence Him. The bigger I get, more often than not, when we don't want somebody to speak in tongues and the Spirit gives evidence because that will disrupt the body. Or the, more, the bigger I get, the more we don't need to have those prayer line, Holy Ghost filled, people falling out in the Spirit kind of prayer line services because that might make some of our other folks uncomfortable. Oh, we, we, we can't be having certain types of things. Pastor, that was good when we were only running 30 in the back side of the barn in the backyard. But Lord, Pastor, we're running 500 people now. we got to remember we're a little more upscale. Enough time, we got more people coming now. And I said to this pastor, I said, Pastor, the day that I, can, that I can stand behind a sacred lectern and say, you know what, I'm more concerned that 500 people are here than the Spirit of God moving, I said, is the day that I want to quit. I want to quit. I said, now, if I stand here and we have prayer lines and Spirit-filled service and people get baptized with the Holy Spirit and they're slain in the Spirit, healings and signs and wonders, if the Lord sends 5,000 people who want to join fellowship with that, then bless the Lord, oh, my soul, and I will be glad for that. I said, but the day it becomes a production to me, or i got to keep up with the television guideline, or i got to cut and paste the service to fit some kind of mold. I said, I have on the bottom of our worship sets a lot when I used to print them out. That this set list is uh, this set list is subject to change under the direction of the Holy Spirit. I said I never want to get to a place 500, 5,000 that the Holy Spirit doesn't still have time to stop it and stop me in my place and say, you know what, boy, you did have a sermon today, but I'll take it from here. I said because the Lord can say a whole lot more in 15 minutes than I'll say in 15 years of standing behind a pulpit. And whether we have 60 people in a building or we have 600 people in a building before this is all said and done. The reason fasting to me is so beneficial is because I always need to have the right mindset and vision of the awesome power of the Spirit of God so that God can say in the middle of a service, you've done all you need to do, I'll take it from here, and I don't miss His moments, and I don't miss His leading. Because fasting helps me know the Spirit of the Lord and be in tune to hearing what thus saith the Word of the Lord. It changes my perspective. Fasting shouldn't be just a spiritual discipline we're afraid of but rather a decision made for the spirit of man to come more alive as we crucify the flesh and submit to the governing of rule and authority of Jesus Christ. So I say this, 
in conclusion today. As we're in the middle of week two, and next week we'll pick up a different part, the total different aspect of fasting. Here's what I want to say to this body before we come to a time of consecration. Don't let this become some spiritual diet campaign you're on. But make a conscious effort and a decision to say, Lord, over the next two weeks that I have left, here's what I need. I'm not asking you to do something for me. I'm asking you to perfect me to be used for you. I don't want you necessarily to do something for me. I'm asking you to help me be more perfected for you and your use. Because when you get used by the master, he'll fix your problems. You might be on life's troubling seas, but as long as Jesus is on the boat with you, you're not going to drown. You're not going to capsize. You're not going to go under. Because this is the fast God called his church to do. To get sons and daughters to come back home to Jesus Christ. To set captive people free. The oppressed, the downtrodden, the broken hearted. Let them find hope again in Jesus. The fast he's called us to is for others. Not for ourselves. But I have come to know that if I prefer others. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. If I prefer my brother and sister, the Lord is faithful and just to take care of my needs while I'm taking care of their needs. I've never seen God forsaken. The Bible says I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging for bread. God won't forget about me as long as I don't forget about him. That's what fasting's all about. Don't lose sight of what it's about. It's about making a decision. God, I want to be more in tune with you for you to use me for your kingdom work your head bowed and your eyes closed this morning I'll take just a moment but I want to give anyone the opportunity to respond to this gospel message you say pastor today this word spoke to my heart there's something that I need from the Lord I've heard you talk about fasting the art of fasting the gift of fasting but I need you to speak to me you say, Pastor, there is something heavy on my heart that I really need God to help me. I don't need to know what it is, but know that I've been fasting and praying this week, and others have been fasting and praying. That's what we're here to do. We're here to help you and to uplift your burdens before the Lord. So without one looking around, me and Jesus, just for the point of acknowledgement, will you just slip your hand up wherever you are? Yes, 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 yes. Any others? Yes. For those of you that slipped your hand up, here's what I want you to do. I want you to listen to me carefully. I'm not going to make you come up front right now. I'm not going to embarrass you. But I want you to thank God for the answer rather than pray about the need. And you let me and the rest of this body of believers pray for the need instead. Because once you channel your focus on the Lord and thank Him for what He's already done... God is faithful to take care of all the other needs. My God will supply all my needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. He'll supply it. He'll take care of it. There's some of you under the sound of my voice. You need, I know you need healing in your body. You thank God for healing before we even pray. And see what God will do. So here's what I want us to do. And everybody is, they will, to stand all over this house. We're not going to ask you. We're not going to tell you who raised their hand. You know if you raised your hand or not. If you didn't raise your hand. 
I need you to pray as if you were the one that had a need. And you say, God, you know the needs that have been presented in this house. And you know what they have. You pray for the, those people that raise their hand to get the answer to their need. If you were one that raised your hand, I want you to thank God. God, I thank you that you're a God that supplies all my needs according to your riches. Lord, I thank you that you're going to take care of the need. Lord, I thank you you're going to heal my body. You thank God in advance for what's going to happen. And let's see what God will do this week in your life, shall we? Can we all just, just join together and pray together? Heavenly Father, Lord, you know the need before we have ever asked or had need of it or thought of it. Lord, you are a very present help in time of trouble, a friend that sticks closer than a brother, a confidant, one that we can depend on, one that we can rely on. There are men and women in this sanctuary and maybe even online that have raised their hand with a need in their life. They need the Lord to touch them in a special way. Maybe it's a family matter. Maybe it's a decision. Maybe it's the job. Maybe it's a church issue, but they have a need that's weighing heavy on their heart. There's some that maybe have raised their hand that need a healing physically, a healing emotionally, spiritually. Uh, Lord, maybe maybe even, Lord, just need the Lord to, to kind of give them a peace that surpasses all human understanding. You are able, the Bible says, you are able to do exceedingly abundantly above that which my mind can think or comprehend according to your word and your riches in Christ Jesus. Lord, you are able, you are all-powerful, you are all-knowing. You are all majestic, and you are able to do exceedingly abundantly above that which we can think or comprehend according to your word today. Father, I pray that when they leave this place, whether it happens instantaneously, speedily, or whether it's tomorrow or Tuesday, that sometime during this week that the hand of the Lord would reveal himself in their time of prayer and fasting and consecration, and you would speak to them to this week and let them know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God is God, and God is able, and God is still all-powerful, all all-knowing, all-majestic, and sits high above heaven and earth, and that when we cry, your word still says, Here am I. You are as close as the mention of your name. You are a healer. You are a redeemer of time. You are a restorer of broken lives and hearts, a repairer of bridges, a repairer of broken pathways. You are God, and none, there is none like you in this place. Let them feel your presence, your healing virtue in their hearts and lives today. Whatever they have need of, Lord, we consecrate it into your hands and we claim it as able to be done by Jesus Christ, the author and perfecter of our faith. In Jesus' mighty and precious name we pray. And the people of God said amen. Amen. Let me say this prayer over you today before we pray our benedictory prayer in just a moment. May the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and lift up his countenance towards you and give you peace, a peace that surpasses all human understanding and guards your hearts. And can we say this before we dismiss today? Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. I love you. For those watching online, God bless you. I am going to ask uh, Brother Randy Erchberger to pray our benedictory prayer. Immediately following you or consider yourself dismissed. Don't forget service tonight at 6 p.m. as well as Wednesday night at 7 p.m. for the Richburger. God bless you.